0: Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person. Hi, how you guys doing? <laughs> um, welcome back to my good bad brain. It's a solo up again. Um, you know, the nature of my life lately, as uh, some work has picked up and stuff, means that uh, coordinating guests has been a bit of a challenge. So, just heads up for a little bit. I think I'm going to experiment with this. Uh, you know, we'll still do interviews when they... When they make sense, but um, I think we're gonna we're gonna roll a little bit solo for a little bit, which I kind of like. I think it's I think it's good. I'm hoping that uh, there's some lead by example thing that goes on with my good bad brain. I mean, it is called my good bad brain, and uh, you know, I hope you guys like, it's helpful to do this self-talk-to-think thing that I got to do, where I'm working through things that I see and experience and happen. I love learning from other people and talking to them about it and comparing experiences. Um, But I think it's nice, it's like empowering to know how much we can do just on our own and how useful it is, how useful it's proved to me to do this, to sit and talk to myself, you know, and sort out all the the nonsense of the good, bad brain thing. Um, I had a few things I was going to talk about, and one of them is narcissism, and I think that's a fun jumping off point. I mean, is there? there's never really a jumping off point in these things. It really does pinball quite a bit. There's sort of a cloud computation thing going on. You, you get a sense of how I think about things, but maybe we all do. AI, you know, quantum computing multiple things in the same place at once. Um, narcissism. I was I there's this article in Psychology Today about narcissism. Um, it's pretty recent. It was called What What Do you Narcissists See When They Look in the Mirror? And I wanted to read it because I'm worried I'm a narcissist all the time. He says on his own podcast about his own good bad brain with his own picture on the front of the album of his own fucking face that he drew <laughs> as he talks to himself uh narcissist i mean here okay let's let's get real about it it's it sounds horrible the same way psychopath sounds horrible or um other awful sadist, I guess. You know, whatever. It sounds like in that category of maniac, of you know, fucking narcissism. Narcissus, right? The flower. I think in Greek mythology, narcissus. Uh, the whole thing was that th- he stared at himself, uh, his reflection. Upon who so in love with his own reflection, he turned into the flower. That's the the folk tale. Whatever. Sounds horrible. Obsession with yourself. I think narcissism has always, I think, colloquially to us, it feels like it's the confusion of why self-love is hard for people to figure out, because self-love sounds so selfish. It sounds like you're telling someone to have a crush on themselves, to be in love with themselves. And I mean, I think there's like maybe value to trying to go through an exercise of that kind of self-love if you really Fucking hate yourself and don't see any part of yourself as valuable. See all of yourself as disgusting, especially if you like body dysmorphia stuff and things like that. There, there. I think there can be some benefit to figuring out that you are beautiful or sexy or cool or smart or whatever thing you wish you were, and and liking the smell of your own shit. You know, like there actually can be some beneficial things there. But that self love is not having a crush on yourself. It's not limerence with yourself. It is. The cultivation of a divine idea of love, a space for love inside yourself. That's, that's how I have come to understand it and explain it. I think like you have basically like a plot of land in you, in you. You have a garden, a, a greenhouse set aside that is fertilized and watered correctly and has enough sunlight and all the things that it needs to have a space where love can grow, where seeds of love that others give you can take root and grow, or that the universe can sluice love down to you, you know, it can blow by like seeds on a breeze and they will have a place to take root and live inside of you. If you don't have that, if you don't have a safe place, a healthy, nurturing place for love inside you, then anytime someone tries to give it to you, you will destroy it. You will kill it. You will you will show them why they were wrong. Excuse me. <clears throat> I re- I remember there's a book there's a book called The Magicians. It's like kind of a grown up Harry Potter vibe. It's fun. I read the books a long time ago. There's a TV show about it that's lovely. But, but it's just a fu- it's just fun, and I think they're very good. It's one of the few like series I've read. And I remember I was so struck by this one line in one of the first books. I listened to a book on tape, as I think a lot of us do these days. You drive around so much. And I listen to this book on tape, and I guess audiobooks they're called now. And uh, there's a line. This character in the book uh, cheats on someone he loves. He cheats on his girlfriend that he loves with this other girl that he doesn't really love. He doesn't, you know, it's not, it's just, is a thing that he does, you know, out of the way those things happen. You're sad. You have a million other reasons. You want to break it. You need an exit, whatever. He cheats. And it hurts the person that he's with so much. And she's so fucking sad and upset. And she says this thing to him when they try to talk about it. And she says to him, you just hate yourself so much that you're going to prove how wrong everyone who ever loved you is. It was something like that. You just hate yourself so much that you're going to show anyone who ever loved you why they were wrong. And I stopped that part and rewound it and listened to it more than six times. (laughs) You just hate yourself so much that you're going to show everyone who ever loved you why they were wrong. And that, to me, is not having self-love. It's you have a a toxic quality, a poisonous space, and I think it's because you learn to not trust love. To not learn, you learn not to trust the people that um, are supposed to love you. They hurt you. They they said they loved you, but never acted like it. There's a million reasons, so you just uh, dish soap it. You know, you dish soap the space in you that um, might be good for keeping love there, cultivating love there, and going into the world with that love, with enough to share with everybody. So self-love is very fucking important to create. The irony of it is that if you have a poor understanding of self-love, and it becomes like this idea of this crushiness on yourself or limerence, or even if you have an actively corrosive space for where that love is supposed to go, like the opposite of it, a place that doesn't accept it. That is, I think, when you tend to become this narcissist thing. And I want to get back to that idea. So narcissism, am I a narcissist? Are we all narcissists? How do we figure this out? So I'm reading this article, what do narcissists see when they look in the mirror? And even that name right there, I'm like, ooh, I've, I've been on record a lot of the time. I've talked about... Um, when I, I'm often caught by mirrors. I I stare at myself in mirrors. If I see my reflection, I keep looking at it and I, have tried to explain and I know it sounds like you're trying to like just explain away I'm like because I don't recognize myself I understand the way our culture is uh, exists you know about what we want to criticize about narcissism and everybody you know being this way selfish and in love with themselves or whatever the idea of staring at your own reflection means you must fucking love that thing or y- the opposite if you hate it then you're also wrong because you're so obsessed with yourself that you can't stop thinking about how much you hate yourself like whatever your reaction is to seeing yourself and being stuck there with it, it's wrong somehow, you know? Because, like, of all of the deranged paradoxical, like, pain addiction qualities of Western thought, it's like both pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you're all fucking alone in the universe and it's all about you and if you're tough enough to achieve things or not and that's it but also, don't like yourself too much, because then you'd be a real piece of shit, you know? Don't be obsessed with yourself, okay? that's that. You're just like a, a sheep like the rest of us, okay? The meek shall inherit the earth. So figure out how that works. One of those two. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like insane. But anyway, I digress. The point is, I would get caught looking at my reflection. And for me, it was always very existential. I was always like, well, who the fuck is that? thing there the shape of those features that i've stared at plenty of times that i've seen in reflection ever since i was uh, a child and you know a funny thing about that if you think about it sometimes i think about like when we talk about technology and how it's fucking with us right like selfies right we 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 think like This is on, uh, this is inspired, this thought came from Colology, the Colology episode of Allie's podcast, Ologies. Uh, Allie, my girlfriend, she's got this podcast called Ologies, it's really wonderful, and Colology is a study of beauty and its effect on people, and the woman who uh, was the the scientist on there, she was talking about that she believes the time that things shifted about body image problems actually came with, and I'd never had this thought before, I was like, of course, having... um, if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not getting this wrong. But it's what I remember: having mirrors in the home, because now you could stare at yourself, and it wasn't like you'd never seen yourself alone before. Like you'd never seen your what you look like. You would have seen it in reflections on glass, or in you know ponds, or whatever was shiny enough to reflect your image. But the ability to be alone with it and dissect it and try to understand what it was and love it or hate it or whatever, that thing was new. And suddenly you start to give yourself all these ways to like have new fears and self-hatreds. And now we have this camera in our pocket. You can, and not just that, but a camera that like is very unflattering, (laughs) a pretty wide angle lens that everybody knows. If Everyone who's accidentally opened their front facing camera knows they are a, a creature of some kind, you know, we are, <laughs> it is not a good angle on anyone. But the point is you get this time to really examine that. So sometimes I think maybe, maybe it's not just that you're, there's a narcissism engendered by this in a dangerous way, but also maybe it just engenders an existential problem, one of Now I have to think about what the fuck this is. Who is this thing? What is this thing? Something I think about on the same level was like, prior, like we all have a soundtrack to our life, right? You hear music or you play music for yourself and you think of it as like, this is the scoring to what's happening in my life right now. This is the moment I'm in in my movie. But you couldn't have that thought without the context of movies existing, and you couldn't have movies existing without the context of f- film existing, of cameras that move and play things and people make narratives out of them. Now, of course, narratives have been around forever. So maybe everybody could think of themselves in their own narrative since the time that people sit, sit around campfires and and saying long poems to each other about adventures and whatnot. I mean, you know, potenti- you know I, I'm sure that's true. But the very precise, strange intersection of technology, of form and function, and the, and the microscope, the truly, the literal lens, the framework with which you encapsulate yourself and start to isolate yourself and, you know, dissect what you are and think of yourself in this very not lived, like, like you're stepping back outside of the framework and looking at yourself and thinking of yourself as this thing instead of just a lived experience moment to moment. That doesn't exist until you have like movies, you know? And so I think to myself, well, what was music for people for? What would they think of their experience? Like, let's say, you know, 800 years ago or whatever, when, you know, it'd be like the 1200, the dark ages and stuff. And you don't have really anything. You don't have much to reflect literally and see yourself in. You don't have the idea of music and scoring and uh, you know, seeing yourself unless you know maybe you live in some place where they're starting to put plays on or whatever. But you know what I mean, like this. I am the figure of my own star, in which I'm like the star exacerbated also by advertising in our country since the fifties, when they started to tell everybody that you're special and you need all these things so they could sell more things like that didn't exist. And I wonder sometimes if we've heard or helped ourselves with that. I think ultimately we've helped ourselves because I'm pro existential thought. I'm pro like examination of this strange simulation we all seem to live in, but I don't think it makes life easier to get through that. We, have not only the ability, but the inclination and the encouragement and the context, you know, culturally to sit and examine what the fuck we are. And so it's derided. I think there's a lot of reasons that it would be derided and encouraged to be derided culturally speaking to like be obsessed with yourself and the question of what you are and if it is good or bad in the universe and if that good or bad even exists in in the paradigm that we understand it as. Like what the fuck am I when you look at the flesh that you are made of and your eyeballs and these glassy strange things that behind which you hold fucking consciousness... You know, that's a real easy hole to drop into in terms of meaning or identity or, indeed, morality, like, whether or not that's a thing. Like, I don't know that it helps us to go down that road. And that makes sense that that's why we would have that derided culturally, encouraged to be derided culturally, because it makes bad workers. It makes bad society members. You know, this the snowflake thing people like to criticize makes sense that they like to criticize. It. it usually comes from people who prefer to be able to control groups of people or don't like to think that groups of people think of themselves as individualists. I was in Las Vegas earlier this summer for a job, and I went to a bar attached to this casino we stayed in that was like a rodeo kind of bar, you know, they had like a, like a mechanical bull on the side and stuff like that. And they line dancing and you're in Vegas. So people come from all over the country to party in Vegas. And so I saw people line dancing and you're like, this is like conservative America, people line dancing and having a fucking great time, fucking great time. And it freaked me out. I was like, look at them all doing the same moves so easily. The way these people have a good time is to all do the exact same moves as one another. And within that framework, you can feel joy and you can feel self-expression. You can feel your body move and you can feel alive, but it's very specific. And we're all going to do the same thing and don't get out of line. We're all in this together. Like the people who are perfectly straddling that line of... Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Work hard. It's all about you and what you can achieve. And that's it. Don't blame anybody else for your problems. But also, don't be anything but a sheep. We're all the same. Don't think you're special. Fucking snowflake. You know? It was crazy. It was amazing to see. I'm getting existential too fast. I mean, what else is new? I watched some of this documentary about Go. It's this... um board game, you know, this ancient board game that is notorious. It's harder than chess for... Computers can't really beat a lot of the top Go players. I think they finally have been able to, but for a long time they couldn't because in chess there's only like 35 potential moves each turn or something like that. And so for a computer to brute force extrapolate moves and an AI to figure out things is a lot less computing than in Go, where in Go you have like 200 potential moves according to this documentary. So it's this very beautiful game that is both aesthetic and... Uh, mathematical and the game is very simple. There are, you have uh, a light and dark colored stones and you try to enclose all of the other stones with uh, your light or dark. And, um, and then you capture, you try to capture the whole board basically. And this is a very simple conceit, but from these very simple rules, like because of these rules, a bunch of other rules emerge. Like there's this thing where they say if you have two open spaces within a circle of of your own color, then those pieces cannot be captured. By It's hard to explain. It makes more sense to see the visuals, but basically they don't need to make a rule that says if you have two holes inside of your structure, then you can't be captured because the first rule makes that rule true. And the beauty of this philosophically is like, somehow and i'm sorry this is just a sidebar that like blew my fucking mind i can't stop thinking about it. i think it's so beautiful that like that's the universe and that's humanity also that you have this baseline set of rules to the universe like gravity and physics like these things that exist how things interact with each other relativity things we start to understand how to give name to and understand the mechanism and formula of but we didn't invent they just are out there and we start to figure out how to measure them but they are real forces and that somehow just from that base set of real forces you get the big bang you get existence you get stars you get planets from that from planets you get uh life because of the exchange, the the creation of oxygen and sugar and that sort of mix that creates uh, adenosine triphosphate, right, The, the ATP or whatever, and that creates life. This is the powerhouse, the mitochondria, and that that turns into creatures and existence and that turns into people and people and that turns into consciousness. And somehow from this one set of rules, reality, we get this, you get me on this fucking microphone created by people that I still don't understand how this works and creates ones and zeros that make my voice that I can then upload to somewhere and go to you but that we're all just from like this one set of rules like this one simple basic rules comes all of things (laughs) which is amazing this is another thing that happened this week uh, someone, uh, uh, uh this, you, you know, totally random chance thing happened. I was talking about dark matter. We, Allie and I just say dark matter now, whenever something crazy happens that feels like I was, I was walking to an edit, uh, one day, like a week ago, I was walking cause I'm working on this project I was going into the edit. I had to meet my, uh, my editor and my teammate. And I see a playing card face down on the ground and I, Think oh I, I love playing cards I love the mysticism of them especially when you find one because they are you know they're just uh, derived from tarot cards and tarot cards have this wonderful collection of meanings so I was like oh I wonder what tarot card will be here for me. Uh, me completely thinking it was just a normal playing card I pick it up turn it over it is a tarot card it's the three of coins the three of pentacles I look that up and I also contacted uh, half ass witch who's a listener who I maybe we'll talk about this she does tarot and stuff like that and. I ask what this is about. I look at what's the three of coins about. And it's about fucking teamwork. I'm walking into my edit towards my team. It's about asking for help where you need it. It's about relying on the people around you who are a good team. It's about like resource management. And I'm like, huh. And literally the like lesson I had to learn this week was about that. Let people do their jobs. Stop sitting over their shoulder, especially when they're better at it than you. You know, let them do their fucking jobs. That's what a team is for. Back to the sheep thing, right? Everybody's individual, right? Everyone's got their powers. Like in the herd, as we work together, if you do let people be snowflakes and do their fucking thing, you'll be amazed what you get out of them instead of trying to control everything. Anyway, but that whole mysticism weirdness, finding this fucking magical card show up in my life, that's so insane. You know, that's silly. That's like not science, you know? That's not scientific thinking. And I, so now alien and I just call it dark matter because we know, scientists know, 90% of the universe is this thing called dark matter that we can kind of detect, but we can't measure it. We can't explain what it is. We can't see it. But that's 90% of the universe or more, something like that. So everything else, like fucking all of it, all of our lives and gravity and blah, 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 matter, that doesn't even touch this other thing. And I thought about this go thing that like everything in the universe comes from this one basic set of rules and it all turns into all of this consciousness and beauty and magic and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, who's to fucking say, like if we we agree that if something is real, it can be measured, right? Gravity can be measured. Um, velocity can be measured, force and mass. These are all things that can be measured one way or another, speed, right? So if we know that, then let's just say something that we agree is real, love. Now, not everyone would agree that love is real. Some people would argue that it's just a bunch of chemicals in your brain banging into each other, hormones and whatnot that create a type of obsession and it was selected for by science so that uh, you would breed and you would protect your offspring and yada, yada, yada. Sure. But some of us, we've felt love, and there's no logic to it, and there's no breeding to it, and there's no thing to protect about it that keeps the species going. None of it. I mean, sometimes it's very destructive. So I would argue, from the lived experience of it, from that subjective uh, observation, uh, scientifically speaking, that love is real, and it's something else. So if we agree on that, that means there must be a way to measure it. We can't measure it yet, just like we can't measure really this dark matter yet. We can't deal with it, but we know it's real. And based on this go thing, if everything else – so I don't know. I don't know what the fucking my point is. I, I'm I'm just trying to say like it's so amazing to think to yourself, well, well all these other things that seem real, drive, will, uh, the narrative that you live out, the – Reason you get up in the morning love and hate and you know I don't know agony and beauty and all that all that stuff that all feels real but we can't explain that we can't measure we don't know what to do Isn't it possible that that and other themes of your life might create some echoing reverberation in the universe? A universe in which time is just another dimension that humans are simply limited in our experience of, that probably as a survival mechanism for the organism we can only perceive in one direction. But we know exists, like, you know, for relativity to to work and for science, whatever, like time is something that is all at once it's just another dimension like length and height and depth so if we know that isn't it possible that we would create some physical reality that would project out and back and create these feelings of fate or time travel or dreams where things would show up for you in your life, or you'd keep running into the same people, or you keep repeating the same pattern, or these kind of things that the the amount of the amount of circumstance of possibility and and coincidence required for these narratives to be fulfilled in your life doesn't it seem like there should be something more to that? And that maybe we just can't measure it yet the same way like we couldn't measure bacteria like a hundred years ago. Seems reasonable to me. And I guess part of the point of this is getting at like this narcissism thing that I was thinking about. I'm reading this article and I'm like, damn, there's a lot in this article that I relate to. One of them is anxiety. They have a lot of anxiety. I was having terrible anxiety attacks last week, which is very funny. Like the day I'm posting about maybe I'm fine, (laughs) which was true. I had recorded it earlier and I was having fucking terrible anxiety attacks. Like I haven't had in so long. And I was thinking about these anxiety attacks, this just body racking, like unwellness and like panic, this panic, panic, panic feeling of like, what the fuck? Coming in from work and just wanting to do a good job and things like that. I was like, this is a physical process in my body being caused by outside feelings and my perception of reality, but they're real. They're happening. I was like, I'm not a diagnosed with anxiety. I'm diagnosed with ADHD and depression. And, you know, you're like, does that mean you can't have anxiety? Well, of course not. But I was like, also, for years I thought I might be bipolar. And when you look at the symptoms of bipolar, uh, you know, they they don't seem that different from having some depression and having some ADD problems. And I was reading about ADHD a while back, and they were saying that people with ADHD get misdiagnosed as depressives. I think they said like an average of 2.6 times before before getting an adult ADHD diagnosis. People need to like know what to look for. But the symptoms are so similar. And I was thinking about all this with, like this is true of physical symptoms. You can get a rash, right? You can get like a rash on your body. And there's like, well, the... The effect in the end, the rash, is the same, but is it viral? Is it bacterial? Is it some, like, autoimmune thing going on with you? Is it, like, an allergy? Are they bug bites? Like, these are all possibilities that create the same symptom, but that the end result is, like, the same. You have something red and itchy on your body that if you scratch too much, you'll get infected. Can you tell I'm dealing with a flea problem? I think I have fucking fleas. Which I always think is funny and I kind of like like because I like this identity as like a dog person. I'm like, yeah, I'm a dog, basically. I know people don't get fleas, but Jared gets fleas because I'm a werewolf, so Anyway, it's not fun in practice. My fucking ankles are itchy all the time, and I can't figure out why. Um I don't have fleas. I'm not filth, I'm not like that, but I feel like they're around somewhere. I think Bodie left him in my house in the carpet, and I think they're. I was reading about fleas. Sorry, just we're hardcore, Jared, brain breathing right now. I was reading about fleas. Do you know they like, they're, 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 they'll lay eggs and the eggs can stay dormant for like months and they're activated by, they sense either movement or carbon dioxide near them of a living animal that they're emanating. And it's like, oh, time to wake up and fucking eat blood. I mean, that is the fucking most Halloween shit what a goth fucking animal. I follow this account on Instagram called Nature is Metal. It's mostly animals eating each other. It's very fucked up, but it's fascinating if you're, you know, interested in that kind of thing. And that is some metal fucking stuff. I was like, damn, I'm going to make a Grindhouse, like, B-horror movie sometime, creature feature about, like, giant fleas. Like, just, just, but to be giant, they don't have to be, like, rabbit size or, like, cat size, house cat size fleas that just, like hang around and like activate when you're near and fucking drink your blood. Horrifying. Horrifying. Anyway, I think Bodhi left some in my uh carpet and now they just like wake up when I go to sleep and bite me. Anyway, deep cleaning. My home smells like cedar now. Trying to avoid poison bombs. Coming back around to the point about narcissism about many symptoms having one or one symptom, rather, having many potential causes and the misdiagnoses. With narcissism, reading it, it so they have a lot of anxiety and they have difficulty uh, with, it says, uh, what was it? it, it, it it's I'm going to not look at the article while I'm doing this. I'll just say this. It's They said it's, uh, uh, you know, they focus problems and they have difficulty recognizing emotions in other people. And experience their experience, empathizing that way, especially fear and anger. And I was thinking, like, that's so interesting because narcissism is so criticized and hated and like thought of as this horrible blanket statement thing, which it it, it sounds real bad. It sounds like, you know, selfishness and whatever. But a lot of those reactions don't sound that different from some autism spectrum stuff, some Asperger's stuff, you know, where you just don't necessarily have the parts of your brain functioning the way that makes it easy to read what other people are going through. And they go into this article about this, this narcissism thing that uh, it does have to do with this area of your brain, the anterior insula and anterior cingulate cortex. Uh, Yeah. Neuroscience tells us the primary brain structures involved in mediating these components of empathy are the anterior insula, the anterior cingulate cortex, and specific regions of the medial prefrontal cortex. So, you're like, how hard can you criticize people for these narcissistic tendencies if they have them? And I was like, I was reading this book, you know, about ADHD and relationships and difficulties that it causes uh, me. And one of the things is like, you don't, you forget to like, you think, ask about what is going on with other people. And it's not because you don't want to know. It's just like, it doesn't occur to you. And I was like, damn, that's my experience. And so many other things that are like moral failings that are assigned to the this thing. Like, I'm such a fucking bad person person because I'm doing these things but it doesn't feel like that inside and I do want to know what's up with other people and I do like worry about their feelings and their pain and I want to like help all these things you're like I don't know I think it's increasingly important to just take the moral failing out of something different about your shape you know and when you do that it's easier to treat it as real and sort of get around it and make actual choices about the kind of person that you want to be. I was so obsessed with this quote. I'm going to butcher it now, but it was a Louis L'Amour quote. He wrote all these like cowboy books and I haven't really read any of them. I just like, it's a great name, Louis L'Amour, Louis L'Amour. And he had some quote that was like up to a point in a man's life, he's shaped by uh, the, the world around him, his family, his environment and the twists of fate. Uh, something like that. But at a point in every man's life, um, he has the power to say, this I am today, that I will be tomorrow. Like this idea that you can take your life into your own hands and your experience into your own hands. And that empowerment of over your own experience. Like, I think a lot of like typical pick you up by the bootstraps nonsense is so focused on extrinsic motivation, extrinsic goals. There's also why I fucking always was so grossed out by manifestation culture, like the secret and stuff. when that was popular because it seems so focused on like extrinsic manifestation, like money, greed, like these disgusting base sort of like non, I don't know, things that don't really have to do with being a better person. And, it seems so cheap and gross and it seems so huckstery to me like you're definitely trying to sell something to people you're trying to appeal to their basest instincts and fears to sell them this like manifestation idea and also i understand it's it's hard to like like you're not going to find anybody who successfully created something they wished existed in the universe that didn't before them who didn't hold that vision in their head <laughs> you know what i mean so you're like okay oh so you're saying if i just focus on something then it will be done and your evidence is that everyone who's done something has done that well that makes sense <laughs> i don't know if there's a magic power to it but it makes sense i can see how it would feel like a magic power because i do think there is such a thing there is a thing oh, similar to the go game the the mix of uh math and aesthetics required to be good at that game they were saying like after thousands and thousands of games at some point people are just you know you just have a feeling you're like i can't explain why but i, I think i should put my piece here I think that happens with people too. You do enough things and you set an intention that like things may look like a beautiful, brilliant, magical, secreted manifestation structure that fell into place to make it happen. But really it was, you know, a million little micro calculations and, you know, quantum calculations or whatever in your brain of setting an intention and then, you know, unconsciously keeping to an aesthetic, keeping to a goal, keeping to an intention. And it sort of like happens. So I never, but whatever. The point is, I guess, of that was like, that stuff never appealed to me, but now more and more there's this feeling of like, if you really listen to that idea, of you have it in your own power to say, this I am today, that I will be tomorrow. And it doesn't have to do with the typical ideas of the bootstrap shit that we're given of like, no one cares, work harder, like that kind of thing. Like as if that's supposed to be like, liberating, which, you know, kind of is to some people. I can understand that. But so much of that seems on extrinsic motivation. You know, this like, there will be blood figure, this John Galt figure, this person who's like, they just make an industry out of nothing, which is always untrue. There's so many other people involved in making it, even if they led the, you know, the way. But that if you take that idea, this I am today, that I will be tomorrow, and you apply that to your own life, that really is amazing, Especially if you wake up every day in fucking agony, hating yourself, hating being alive. Especially if you can consciously, logically say, I know that doesn't make sense, that I don't enjoy this. I know that I can look outside and the sun's very beautiful and the trees are very beautiful. I know that I just can't feel it. And this person I love in front of me who's experiencing anger and sadness, I know that, but I just can't feel it. Like... All of those things that make being alive so painful and strange if you are depressed, or if you have ADHD, or if you have uh, manic episodes, or if you have... Anything under the sun, if you have these narcissistic tendencies or whatever the thing is, if you have autism and you have something that makes it difficult for you to recognize other people are going through while there's some part of you that knows it exists, you've heard of it or you've even seen it before, experienced it in your life, but you're not able to access it now. All of that, the idea that you could say, holy shit, maybe I don't need to focus so much on what are the puzzle pieces that put together to make it what it is? What is the measurement and are they even real or not? Should I just get over it or is it chemicals in my brain or whatever? The same way you're like, is this random chance that I find a tarot card or is the universe giving me this tarot card because it matches my themes? Like, fucking who cares? If I can take that whole mess of cloud computation that results in my experience of of being in pain every day. Can't get out of it. Fuck! You know? And go, this I am today, that I will be tomorrow. I'm allowed that? I can start to just go like, oh, this is a thing that's happening to me. This is a collection of Legos inside of me. This is molecules, this is magnetism, this is gravity, this is love. This is a sum of experiences that are real, but you have say over them. The train coming down the tracks is real. I could step off the tracks, though, or I could build a giant fucking barrier here that's calculated at that 45 degree angle with its top stop to really drive that train into its own ground. I could build a suit of armor around myself So that when the train ultimately hits me, I get jostled around a little bit inside my weird cushiony cage, but I'm fine. Like that to me is the same thing, looking at my experience and going, okay, my experience is the train going down the tracks. It is big and it is powerful and it is fucking not stopping of its own volition. But within that, this I am today, that I am tomorrow, I can take the pieces of who I am without judgment of them Whatever the fuck labels on it, whatever kind of psycho you are, whatever fucking crazy fuck up you are, I can take those pieces and I can pick what I do in response to that train inside me. That's liberating to me. By no means is it easy. You know? Picking up 400 pounds of weight, that's not easy either. And some people will never be able to do it. Some people can do it without trying. Some people can work a very long time and then finally are able to do it. Some people only have to work a little bit of time to do it. The force hasn't changed. People are just different. So we're not discounting the difficulty of what people are going through, but fuck, man. Being able to look at your own experience without judgment, getting bogged down with shame, being able to use regret But release shame, that's pretty fucking special. I mean, what I mean by that, I thought about that a long time ago. I I love that stupid ass, like, no regrets thing, right? I've said it on here. But, like, regret is useful. You learn from it. I didn't like that I did that. I didn't like what happened there. Shame's not really very useful. Stirring up into that hate, that corrosive thing, you know? So, I don't know. I was having these horrible anxiety attacks. What do you do with that? talked about it, told some people I was going through it. I don't know. Let it ride itself out. Talk to myself about what was going on. I know you're freaking out. I know it feels real. It's real. It's okay. But it's also real that you're going to get through it. It's also real that your skin is still the feeling thing it always is, and it can feel the couch under you, and it can feel the wind in the room. It's still real that there are coffee sandwiches and lavender soap. And you're going to access that stuff again. And this is just an imaginary moment. The idea that this moment is happening now in eternity is true, just like the next moment is eternal, and the one after that, and the one after that. And soon enough, you're going to return to that eternity in which you are at peace. Soon enough, you're going to return to that eternal moment that is you are feeling joy. And you get to feel what love is like. Sometimes it's as simple as eating ice cream, and then you get to live in the eternal moment of what ice cream feels like on your tongue. <laughs> I don't know. There's something in that, this paradox of accepting that everything is real, but not getting bogged down in like the specifics of how real it is, unless you're like a quantum physicist or a... a- research biologist, some kind of chemist, like, please continue trying to figure it out because I think we will eventually figure it out. Eventually, we're going to figure out how to measure all this shit. You're going to get to have human experience like boutique on demand created somehow. You know? We'll have access to those... those levers, pulleys, and switches that run the universe, run reality. Maybe. Maybe. Or uh, maybe we're just AIs. Maybe we're just in a simulation. In which case, sick. I've always thought that was weird that people that would be bothered by that. It's like, your life is still the same thing, you know? Your existence, things matter to you the same. Reality is still the same thing. And if it doesn't, if you learn that and it sets you free, that's how you should be living anyway. You know? Fucking just be what you are. It's so much better. It's so much better. I even think people who are like villainous, as long as they're being who they are, so much better than somebody not. <laughs> I don't know. There's a, there's a Breaking Bad episode where Jesse like is going through all this agony because he keeps fucking things up and hurting people near him. And then he's at like a, a support group and he's like, I just accepted who I am. I'm the bad guy. And he seems like so peaceful in that moment. I just thought about that. I was like, there's a really deranged, useful message about just being yourself. You know? You have a place in the universe. Every, every, I mean, this is a very strange episode, like in defense of the narcissist, in defense of the psychopath or whatever. Uh, And I don't mean it to be that. I think I'm just saying that we're all maniacs and that you can shape what you are. And I think part of that is that if you really ground down to it and you really like could get in touch with your organism, whatever it is, you'd realize that you can feel other people. And that that's important. I also acknowledge the possibility that maybe that's not true. Maybe where, you know, just like yin and yang is created, maybe the way that we have is something that can, you know, as humans feel what other humans are feeling. Maybe other, maybe there are Some organisms that can't, like some humans that are made to not feel what other things are feeling or feel them, but have an opposite response to them. You know what I mean? Like these all, this all seems like it exists under the sun. So maybe some people out there really are just, you know, awful and you're listening and I'm like trying to give you response, like, you know, they'll be okay to just be awful. I don't really think that. I think that's why we make laws and we blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. There's something about that that is just like, be what you are, you know? Be what rings true to you. And I don't know. I think there is something important about wanting to be better than what you are. Whatever that means. Having a vision for a better version of reality inside of you. And working towards that. In defense of the narcissist. I don't know. I'm just saying it's hard to figure out how to like really get mad at people who act that way when it's just about their shape of their brain you know so much of like our disgust or approval comes down to aesthetic are they doing it in a way that you aesthetically agree with when somebody posts their selfies online is it a way that's okay because they're an established business so whether they're doing it for other people or is it like a way that's gross because nobody cares and why do they think people want to look at them making the same face every day? I mean, I'll just end on this last little dumb little rant about this, about selfies and stuff and things. A, cu- a couple things about that. And people love to criticize social media. I and mean, be like, how stupid is this? just pictures of you and your lunch or whatever. It's like, alright. One, having a social media account. People always like pictures of me better than pictures of not me. So you're like encouraged. You go, well, oh, people seem to like these better than the pictures of not me, so... Guess I'm going to do more of that. Seems to be what my fellow people like. Second, what do I like? Or what do you like when you're looking at your feed? I like seeing the faces of the people that I like. I like seeing the faces of people in my community. And if they don't put themselves out there, I'm not going to see them. You know? I double tap very instinctively. I love the hilarity of the uh, the tactile reality and truth in a double tap of like, like, oh, I like that. It's such a monkey response where you just go like, your brain is just like, oh, I like that, Tap, tap, I want to touch it, but because I like it. It's so funny. Anyway. So if you're not putting yourself out there, no one gets to see you. And believe it or not, they like seeing you. So quit being like this stupid-ass fucking thing about like, oh, i narcissist. And then if you're a narcissist, if someone is a narcissist, I don't know. They're in a lot of pain if they're doing that. Because they're real numb. If you're numb, you're like in a lot of pain. The numbing is just like, get rid of the pain. So they're not like enjoying their way through life. They're just trying to figure things out. And probably it's because their brain is shaped in a weird way, just like everybody's. And that maybe like we shouldn't worry so much about figuring out if we have an acceptable disease or a non-acceptable disease, because as you know, the needle moves forward, you start to realize like, oh, depression is acceptable and ADHD is starting to be acceptable but narcissism is not acceptable and psychopath is not acceptable and these kind of things but like that some of the basic symptoms sound pretty similar what should we be trying to do i think create more love and generosity i think answering your existential question of going like so i exist and it's maybe all imaginary but it's here I think the logical extent of that is not one where you go like, oh, it's all in my head, so nothing matters. I think it's where you go like, and oh my God, there's a billion other people doing that too. And it's not even like, the way we were talking about last week um, with Coda, one of the weeks where the, the profundity of thinking like you can feel other people's pleasure with mirror neurons, that you can also then feel their pain, and that like causing pain in them, it's not, you're not then... You're not then not doing it because it causes you a secondary tertiary pain to cause people pain. It's like you feel their pain. And so you know just creating pain in the universe, like you become an extension of their body is like a horrible thing to do, you know? that like that sensation of like really getting in touch with like your existential question I and mean, being like oh a billion other points of light of little viewpoints into this strange reality are also experiencing what i am i'm going to try to make their journeys better as they go more honest more kind more generous more alive longer more rich so they can really like fucking have a dope time in this little carnival i mean i think those are all like where you end up at the end of any spiritual like search of yourself in terms of morality, you know. So I don't really feel that worried about being like, hey, if you're a psycho, be a psycho. If you're a narcissist, be a narcissist. Children toy with cruelty when they're little on the on the playground. They'll be mean or they'll bully someone. They'll cause pain in someone just to see what they can get away with. Doesn't mean they're going to grow up to be horrible people. Some of them, but often I think they do it and then they realize it hurts when other people hurt. That more pain in the universe is just more pain in the universe. And they should do everything they can to not create that because they can feel it as much as this other person can feel it. Whereas you know, you can make love in the universe and there's more love there. You can make beauty in the universe and there's more beauty there, which feels in that same vein of like bright, good, alive, loving, love. Good things in the universe that we can all feel. I think the kid figures out that they've done this and then goes, I don't want to do that and they become a good person. In the same way, someone might... Take a long time to come to themselves. And the narcissist or whatever in your life, or blah, 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 don't let them hurt you. Self-defense is real. You're allowed that. You're allowed your bubble. You know, get away from them, whatever. Cut them out. But holding anger towards them and being so concerned with the court of reality, the justice that will never show up, like, they're just on their journey. Sometimes you got to embody your villainous self. To go like oh fuck I was just figuring out how I had to tack I had to tack back and forth on the sea to get the boat where it needed to go, and I regret things, but uh, I fig- I'm learning I figured it out. We all get ugly, you know what I mean. We all fuck up. Having more patience and acceptance of everybody where they are on their journey, I think, makes it easier to accept yourself on yours. People are all just working it out. And the more that they get in touch with it, the more they experience it, the more that they will end up eventually, I think, at that truth, at that understanding, that this thing that we cannot measure in the universe, that we try to codify and we try to call these different things and put into scientific terms, these things we cannot measure, let's just say love and horror for two ends of the spectrum. That Creating more love in the universe feels good for everybody. And maybe that's the function that human beings have. And creating horror makes the place a swamp, makes it just a ruined landscape, a heated up climate changed earth that we're all going to die in. But that it's not about some self-satisfying ego driven thing in the middle. I'm going to be nice to people because it makes me feel good. I'm going to be mean to people because it makes me feel good. That it's really, I'm creating more good things in the universe and we all feel that the way we all breathe oxygen. Hmm. Maybe. I kind of think that is the true reason that we are here, that our function in the universe, the way plants breathe oxygen and carbon dioxide, you know, put out oxygen for us. They manufacture that thing back and forth. That's like what they do for all the living organisms and all of the biosphere or whatever of the world. Maybe in the universe, that's what we're here for—to make love and horror, to just pump that out. So exist in the universe because they need it. You know, that's the argument in Asimov's. But I don't know some 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 famous science fiction writer. Maybe Asimov. I don't know the argument that they have, the vision that they hold of people. And I think this is the one that Dan Aykroyd holds of people of why. Don't aliens just take over if they exist or whatever? What is it? They're so technologically advanced that there is the possibility that while aliens would be incredibly technologically advanced, they'd have energy resources behind our wildest dreams and transport technologies and blah, 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 all these things, there is the possibility they don't have art, you know, that they don't have that divine spark, that thing that we create with narratives in our existence and our existential thought and our staring into the mirror, trying to understand what the fuck it is. Maybe that is unique to humans. Every pantheon of every folktale system, every divinity system that's ever existed, has a place for like a trickster god, for the bad feelings gods. Ares, the god of war. Why would you have a god to venerate war? Loki the trickster, Coyote? Why would you venerate these people who deceive? Anansi. Why would you venerate these things? Why would you make them deities? Any more than wrath or death or whatever. Why not just make them all things that like are high ideals, God, fairness, justice, love? I think because the pantheons of old, the folktales of old, are never about Joseph Campbell says it's never about these two creatures, the wolf and the grandmother and Red Riding Hood and the woodsman, all in these four, I guess, in that situation, these forces against each other that exist out in the world. It's about how all those things exist in you, that you have inside of you two children wandering through the woods and a witch that lives in a candy house that wants to eat the children just as much as your children and you want to go exploring willy-nilly without any thought beyond that. And just like that, you also have the huntsman or whatever in that book that saves them, that these are all creatures that are inside yourself, and that Loki and Coyote represent the villainous and lying parts of you. That the story of the prodigal son, this is the first one that blew my mind, was not about a story about a man who had two sons. One was good and responsible, and one was bad and selfish and not responsible, and that the father loved them and accepted them both back to himself. Almost seemed happier to see the shitty brother. That's not about three different people. That's about you. And do you allow the parts of you that have fucked up to come back, and are you happy to see them back? Do you love them and say, oh, we're going to have a feast in your honor, your home? Or do you just resent them? Where have you been? I fucking work here every day and you don't know. Fuck you. Are you just mad about it? All stories. And so we venerate these things. We venerate the parts of ourselves that create horror. Because we have to love them to accept them. Because if you... Don't love them. You hate them. And then you're just holding hate in you. And wherever you're holding that hate, that's where your self-love is supposed to go. Damn. That almost all came together in a loop, huh? That basically ends. That's a fine button. (laughs) Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Be well. I'll see you guys around. Check out the Patreon if you dig the pod. Patreon.com slash my good bad brain. And uh, rate and review us if you like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. See you next week.